My name is Nick Boyle and I'm an academic associate at the Chartered Banker Institute, the world's oldest professional banking institute. I'm also a director at Storm7 Coaching. I'll be your host for our new series of podcasts titled The Leadership for All series. This series will explore how everyone at any level can adopt key aspects of leadership within their roles. Every month, a new topic will be explored, delving into key subjects within the banking sector with insight from a wide range of experts. We encourage you to visit the Chartered Banker website to view and watch the other resources in this series after listening to this podcast. These resources will include a monthly blog, podcast and webcast, where we'll focus on understanding the concept discussed, expert views, and also how we can bring this alive at all, all levels. Uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, resource series, and I'm delighted to be joined by our guest, Paul Denton, Chief Executive Officer of the Scottish Building Society and Trustee of the Chartered Banker Institute. Welcome, Paul. Hi, Nick. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to hearing your views on vulnerable customers, which is our topic for uh, this podcast, and how this relates to aspects of leadership. Firstly, um, when I look at uh, at uh, vulnerable customers, Paul, and thinking about the Financial Conduct Authority's definition of a vulnerable customer. It's someone who, due to their personal circumstances, is especially susceptible to harm, particularly when a firm is not acting with appropriate levels of care. And I think the FCA also likes to consider vulnerable customers as a cultural issue. So how do you build this into your culture as an organisation? Well, firstly, uh, Nick, I, I completely agree with, with the FCA. This is a cultural uh, piece. And, and actually, it's, it's also an evolution um, of, of many things that we've seen over the course of, I guess, the, the, the last decade and perhaps more, where uh, we, we, we talked about customer first, then treating customers fairly, and, and, now, and now vulnerable. Um, it's, it's absolutely essential that any firm who is serious about looking after its customer base and, and particularly its um, vulnerable customers, uh, that they equally see it as an opportunity as a competitive advantage. And the upbringing that I've had through a variety of uh, financial services firms over the course of the, uh, the last 30 years, um, the very best leaders that I've worked for always encouraged us to put customers first and not just by what they said, but how things were recognised, how things were rewarded, how behaviours were uh, were encouraged, etc. So culture starts with the front line. It's, it's led from the boardroom, but it's something that's thread right throughout a, uh, an organisation. And, and for any organisation who put their customers right at the forefront, vulnerable customers is an evolution of everything that we've seen over the course of the, uh, the last decade or so. There are, there are so many different ways to, to define or interpret culture within an organization. Um, and it goes down to some of the more practical things, such as um, how behaviors are, are recognized and, uh, and laid out within role profiles and objectives. Much more importantly, how they're rewarded and recognized, as I touched on um, earlier. But, but equally, um, do you allow your frontline colleagues who are right there dealing with vulnerable customers at any particular moment in time to be able to respond sensibly and freely to that particular customer's situation? It's been described previously in the past as a freedom within a framework, but cultural 
allows your, your colleagues to truly deal with the situation that's in front of them, rather than having them led by procedures and processes. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really interesting point, that freedom um, in a framework, and, and it really does help and set our frontline free to be able to interact with customers in the right way. But one, one, of the, um, one of the things that the FCA was obviously always concerned about was a lack of policy in financial services organizations covering vulnerable customers. How have you handled that? Well, I, I feel that I've, I've been on the journey with the FCA around this. When I was um, previously working for, uh, for the Co-op Bank, I um, led the introduction. Um, it's hard, hard to say we were introducing vulnerable, but effectively back in 2015, uh, we essentially were working with the, the FCA as the thinking and definitions um, all, all evolved. Um, so here at Scottish Building Society, as an example, we, we do have a policy. Uh, around vulnerable customers, but it's very high level uh, with regards to that we'll follow the definition of the, the FCA, um, how we'll incorporate it into training, how it will be uh, covered within product design, product review, how our processes will, will think of vulnerable customers in the, in the first instance, et cetera. But, but a policy really is that, it's, it's just high level. It's much more about how it articulates itself through to processes and procedures how your frontline colleagues, as I mentioned earlier, have the opportunity to interact on a personal level uh, with, uh, with customers going forward. From my perspective, um, one of the aspects that the FCA um, have also touched on, and, and I've been involved with many discussions in, in different forums, whether you should be identifying vulnerable customers within your systems, i.e. having markers, uh, et cetera, the FCA uh, have been quiet on this um, in the most recent guidance, and, and I think that's that's quite right in uh, in my opinion, because there are many, many different aspects of vulnerability, and a policy at its high level can only be that, because the, rea the reality of dealing with a customer who unfortunately is, is dealing with uh, potentially an elderly, elderly uh, relative who, who has cancer, is very different from somebody who comes in and has just experienced divorce or, or, or financial hardship. So the definition of vulnerable is so wide that having a policy is good around the basics of, of training and product definition, et cetera. But the reality is it's really what happens in your front line that's key. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see that uh, coming out more and more in some of the results as we improve our, our customer service across the industry. Uh, one thing I'd probably just like to point out at this time is the, the FCA being the Financial Conduct Authority. Is our UK regulator responsible uh, for how banks treat their customers and also behave in the financial markets? A lot of our international customers today uh, and, and, and supporters uh, from different institutes across the world will be listening in to this podcast. I think it's very important that they understand the local impact uh, of the local regulators and how they approach um, vulnerable customers. And for us today, it's just about spending a few minutes uh, looking at the UK side of it, but I think hopefully it gives you all some hints and tips because fundamentally how we treat customers at their core um, is, is very, very important. Um, Paul, uh, looking at frontline and telephony teams, um, 
I guess they perhaps don't need to be experts on vulnerability or, or, or do they? Um, but how do you raise awareness so they can identify and deal with such customers effectively? Um, you, you're right. It would be extremely difficult to be uh, experts on, on all aspects of vulnerability. Again, just going back to what I mentioned earlier, it's, it's so wide and covers so many different areas. But the key is, are you able to identify a customer who's uh, experiencing vulnerability at any particular point? And much more importantly, are you trained and confident and able to, uh, to deal with the vulnerable circumstances that they're, they're currently within, or be able to signpost them to somebody who can help? And it's, it's absolutely appropriate to, uh, to hand off to somebody who's in a better place to deal with, uh, with different aspects. So the identification and the, the basic level of understanding of vulnerability is how we can best inform and educate our, our frontline colleagues, but equally provide them with the tools and the signposting to where additional help is, is required depending on the circumstances. There are lots of models um, out there. Many of us will have been through um, standard training around vulnerable and picking up on Texas and IDEA, all exceptional models um, for, for the circumstances. And, and I encourage all of my, my frontline colleagues um, to be informed uh, and aware of, of the different model types. But above everything else, remember that every customer's circumstances and every customer is an individual and, and treat them as such and you won't go far wrong. Um, yes, it's such a, an interesting uh, one, Paul, in, in terms of um, the frontline staff uh, and identifying those uh, customers, because there are a lot of customers who have hidden vulnerabilities, uh, ones that we can't necessarily see. Uh, I guess that begs us to almost adopt a consistent approach to all customers looking out for the triggers. Is, is that how your frontline team do that? It is, but it's equally evolving very fast at the, the moment. Many vulnerable customers, um, by their nature, sought face-to-face uh, -face support um, and, and therefore branches or, or frontline officers experienced a higher proportion of vulnerable customers coming in because it was a, an element of comfort for those customers to have that face-to-face -face support. Over the, the last 18 months, clearly things have been a little bit more difficult and things have changed uh, with, with COVID. So we've really had to uh, help our frontline colleagues to be, be able to pick up on um, tone of voice, things that are said, whether it's through the, the telephony channels, but, but equally um, dealing with um, requests for support around uh, adoption of, of digital channels or, or use of the, uh, the digital channels. And, and actually identifying aspects that may indicate vulnerability have really moved away from just what you're able to see in front of you opposite, uh, opposite the, the traditional counter uh, to being able to, to pick up on very slight aspects of a telephone conversation or, or even uh, points that come through with regards to requests for support for online migration, et cetera. So it's changed rapidly over the course of the uh, the last 18 months, uh, Nick, and, and we've done a lot of workshops internally uh, to support our colleagues through that as, as they've dealt with customers through different channels as well. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, so, so important. And, and I was looking at, um, I was doing some work uh, on frontline staff uh, recently uh, and some of the skills that they require these days around about 
you know, listening skills to be really, really good at that. And also um, empathy and being able to, to demonstrate and show a lot of natural empathy, um, which is uh, you know, not necessarily taught, but something that people really just do have. And uh, is there any, any other sort of key um, advice uh, that you would give to, to staff um, uh, to, to recognize uh, the vulnerable customers? As, as, as we said, it must be very difficult for them. Well, I, th I think it's also about um, who we recruit in because some of the points that you make there are exceptionally valid. The, um, the ability to have conversations, to, to show empathy, etc. And a, a lot like the trend that I referenced earlier from customer through to TCF and, and vulnerable, what I've observed through financial services over the, uh, the, the last couple of decades is that the, the type of skills that we're looking for within our front line have, have changed dramatically. I go back to the, the, the late 80s, sure my age, where, where I joined, numbers and organization were incredibly important to work within frontline financial services. Moving more into the, to the 90s and, and, and uh, early noughties, there was far more of a, a sales-led culture and people were much more described as retail. Much more now, particularly here within my organization, um, we're looking to recruit people who are genuine people person. And some of our best recruits have actually come from health and social care um, over the course of the last 12 months because they have a natural sense of empathy and being able to, uh, to deal with customers in, in more difficult circumstances. And it's been great watching some of my longer, longer term colleagues interacting with the new colleagues that have come through and the skills and experiences that they have from different industries. So I, I think the, the advice that I, I would have for anybody within the front line at the moment is that the way that we've always done things is not necessarily the best way for us going forward. And the interactions that we're now having with customers, which are much more around help and advice and support rather than traditional transactional um, encounters. It, it, it's very different. We should be much more open-minded and much more people-centric uh, going forward rather than perhaps, dare I say, transactional-centric of the past. And uh, also, I, I find it a really interesting one for our telephony teams in banking as well, because you know it must be even more difficult for those teams to be able to identify uh, and understand and, and, and be empathetic towards uh, vulnerable customers. Uh, absolutely. I, in, in a previous role, where I did run a, a large uh, call centre and um, there, there are also particular peaks within the, uh, the calls, perhaps later at night or, or, or through the night, where there was a higher level of vulnerability often came through in the calls and, and listening into um, how some of the um, telephony operators were, were able to um, pick up on, on, on certain words or tone or language, etc. It, it was really a great comfort for me as a, as a leader in the organization, just, just seeing that level of empathy and support and, and guidance that we were able to offer those customers at, at clearly a difficult time for them. Okay, so, so really interesting um, points you raised there and you've hit on something that uh, I find is really, uh, really key, which is about leadership and how do we get involved, support on the front line, listening to calls. Um, is that something that you promote, Paul, in terms of really coaching your people and, and being supportive in development as a, as a leadership cohort? I, I, I do indeed, Nick, and, and it's very important for, for two reasons right now. One, 
the cultural aspect that we made reference to uh, at the at the start of the call. It's incredibly important to recognize behaviors and to ensure that um, your processes and procedures are effective for, for all customers and in particular um, for, for vulnerable customers. But for, for the second point, which is just as important, there's been significant change in how customers interact with us over the course of the last 18 months, led by uh, the requirement to, to go digital for um, particularly for the elderly population who perhaps have been slower uh, pre-COVID to, to take up uh, digital channels. So it's hugely important that from a leadership perspective, we're, we're ensuring that there's access for everybody and equally that our processes and procedures are fit for purpose for everybody in, with the changes that we've seen of late. Yeah, really fantastic point. And, um, you know, the, the, the whole impact of the pandemic on that age uh, group, you know, and having to become more uh, digitally aware has, um, you know, especially at a time where the banks were retreating to home offices um, with, you know, probably yeah, doing really well in terms of our technology, but actually lacking that, that, that ability to be able to talk face to face to somebody who really needs it uh, at that time. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's really made us think about what is the purpose of a branch going forward. And, and again, you know, linking back to a point that I made earlier, the difference between transactional, um, transactional interactions and relationship interactions, much more now the purpose of a branch is about advice and support and help, and particularly, um, you know, across the vulnerable customers as well. And therefore, the setup of your your branches need to be um, uh, need to need to be more relationship centre rather than uh, transactional queuing uh, hubs. And, and we've made quite a few changes to our branches in that regard over the course of the last uh, twelve months as well. Yeah, I think that evolution has been has has been it been evident. And actually, it was it was my next point I was going to ask you about was kind of how do you go and make your offices and your branches more appealing and friendly for uh, vulnerable customers to feel safe? It's mm, a great point. So our branch refits of late, we've, we've completely moved away from, um, from counters. Um, we are not highly automated. Um, so as you come into our branches, and we need, we need to be realistic, the footfall that comes into branches, either building society or, or banks is significantly lower than it, it's been over the course of, of, of previous years. So we, we have much more of a relaxed environment for customers to come into. I describe it as warm, cozy chats where we can provide uh, advice and help. Um, and, and we've completely moved away from a queuing based model, either at counter or, or automation. Uh, our, our customers, vulnerable or, or otherwise, um, are, are really meant um, to feel individual uh, and supported when they come into our offices now. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and Paul, coming out of the pandemic, and you, you touched on this um, briefly earlier, um, but we've seen more mental health issues surfacing. And also, I guess, many business owners who will be struggling to survive. Uh, I always worry about business customers as well, because I think, you know, we don't necessarily class them as vulnerable, but a lot of them will be showing stress, you know, signs of, of concern, uh, worry, financial uh, impacts. Um, so thinking about sort of business customers as well as our, our, our normal day-to-day -day retail customers coming out 
of the pandemic struggling. Uh, how, how do we proactively support them now? Well, first, if I may, just, just to touch on the whole mental health aspect, I think one of the, one of the benefits of, of COVID has been a much better acceptance and understanding of mental health in its, in its broader sense. And we've been able to break it down to uh, the individual aspects and feelings within that. It's, it's now okay to be anxious about coming back to work. It's now okay to be lonely, recognizing the lack of social interaction. It, it's, it's okay to talk about being depressed or fearful of job loss or, or, or the loss of a loved one. And we've really broken mental health down into the different aspects. We never previously talked or collectively um, put together somebody who was experiencing cancer or a broken bone or a bad back. We never described them collectively as physical health. But up until recently, we described almost everything as mental health issues. Whereas now we've really broken it down to understand the different types of mental health. And for me, I think that's been one of the real benefits that has come out of COVID for one of the few. It touches all aspects of the customers that we deal with, but equally colleagues as well. And we do need to recognize that colleagues have, have gone through many of the same experiences um, as, as our customers, business and, and retail. But, but to your question uh, directly, Nick, um, there has been tremendous financial support, largely led by, uh, by governments across the world, certainly here within the, within the UK. But as, as those support, or as that support uh, comes to end, it's, it's critical now that financial services is able to, to step up. We've been largely unaffected over the course of the, uh, the last 18 months. Our, our businesses have been able to carry on. Um, the economy has, has not seen the dip that we all first, uh, first feared. And therefore, as, as, as bankers, as financial service professionals, it's absolutely key that we recognize that uh, some of the businesses have been through exceptionally difficult times and helping them both financially and equally providing that emotional support as they recover their businesses over the course of the, the next months and years is, is absolutely key. So whether that's our frontline staff or whether it's our colleagues in the boardroom, uh, we need to keep, take real clear cognizance of some of the difficulties that our important and trusted customers have been through over the course of the last 18 months. Well, that's uh, all we have time for today. Thanks to Paul for, for joining us and sharing his uh, fantastic insight and knowledge on the subject of vulnerable customers. I think we saw from the session, it's, it's such an important area and one that we need to continually uh, enhance, develop, uh, and do our best as a banking community to support uh, these uh, customers and identify them. I'd also like to thank you as listeners uh, for joining us today. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode and obviously the wider uh, Leadership for All uh, series, uh, which is a collaboration between Chartered Banker Institute and Store 7 Coaching. Uh, I've been uh, Nick Boyle. Uh, thank you very much for your time today and catch up at the next one.